This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And good morning. Here we are, The Garden Show, another beautiful Saturday. Welcome to October, and welcome to my special guest. I have Suzanne Grab with me, former student. Say hello to everybody, Suzanne. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Suzanne was a student, but of course, a mature student, shall we say. She's been in the horticultural business for a number of years, and she's going to tell us a little bit about what she does, where she does it, how she does it, and, you know, we won't spend too much on the challenges. We just want to hear good stories, okay? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. So listen, why don't you do... For, I always make my guests work, right? So your job is to tell everybody the phone numbers, even though they should have the numbers in their speed dial by now. Get those numbers out there. We'd love to hear from you. Love your questions. Love your stories too. Tips, techniques, good, bad stories. Happy to hear any of them. So go Suzanne. Locally, you can call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740- Forty-seven, forty. Wow, you're good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> there you go. So listen, just a couple of announcements. One is uh, Asian Court Garden Club uh, this Monday having a Zoom meeting. It's called, the topic is Wonders of the World with Ron Brown. They, the log on to Zoom is 645. I was not given contact information, but if you are interested in Wonders of the World with Ron Brown, uh, Google Agent Court Garden Club. Everybody's looking to expand membership in these Hort Societies. And, of course, with the Zoom meetings and virtual uh, learning, you could be joining, you know, the Sault Ste. Marie Garden Club if you want, because you don't have to actually go there to go to the meetings. So, wonderful, wonderful opportunity for meeting people and, you know, that's 20 bucks you can spend, really. It's actually 20 bucks, I think, for a, week, a month, a year, 20 bucks a year for a family and $15 a year for an individual. So, Hort Society, Gardens Clubs, they're all over the place. Riverdale, of course, very active Hort Horticultural Society meets October 13th at 7 p.m. And they can, again, they've got a Zoom meeting. They have Stephen and Emma Biggs attending that meeting. And I was telling Suzanne earlier about Stephen and Emma. Topic is fun and unusual edibles. So for more information, www.info at Riverdale Horticultural, big long, Riverdale Horticultural.ca. So they meet at 7 p.m. October 13th. So yeah, people are getting back into the swing of activities. It's fall, summer's over, winter's coming. Are you keeping awfully busy there, Suzanne? Oh yeah. yeah. We're starting to do some fall cleanups, uh, fall urns. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Do you bulb? Do you do a lot of planting of bulbs? Yeah, but that's too early right now. The squirrels uh, will get them. You have to <laughs> go point. a little later. You Good have to point. do when the snow falls. I uh, wait till the end of November, December kind of thing is when I'm putting them in. Really? And you're working mostly in the Scarborough area or GTA? Mm, yeah. Sometimes east, a little bit Durham. Yeah, mostly east. Yeah, east yeah. Toronto, a little bit in the Durham. More, more so in the Durham region. Recently. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess there's a lot of new homes that have gone up. There's been a lot of, you know, so-called bedroom community, just lots and lots of residential going up. So there's probably pretty good opportunities towards yeah. Ajax and Pickering and that sort of thing. Yeah, and there's um, certain uh, um, small businesses in Ajax actually hand out my flyer and stuff. So oh, isn't that I get nice? That way too. Yeah, I'm going to yell at you later. I won't do it now, but uh, you don't have a website. You do rely on a lot of word of mouth. Um, uh, clients sharing you with with their friends but it sounds like that's working pretty good for you so this might be of interest to some of our listeners who might be entrepreneurs themselves and are thinking about starting something up so we'll hear more from suzanne grab of grab designs when we come back right after some important messages from our sponsors don't change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And here we are, have a special guest, never been to the studio before, Suzanne Grab. Welcome again. Thanks, Charlie. It's nice to have you here. Suzanne was one of my favorite students, just so you know. <laughs> Way back, when was that? When did you graduate from Durham College? Oh, now you're testing me. I Four think or five. it was eight. 2018. Oh yeah, maybe? it could be. Yeah, about three, 18, three, yeah. four years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's a two-year program. At the end of it all, you came out of it with a horticultural technician diploma. Yeah, you and many others. Yes, I have a whole different crew of students now. Can't say I'm quite so engaged with some of them as I have been in the past, but nevertheless, every year is a new year. <laughs> and you're doing some teaching as well. You're doing yeah. some teaching at Seneca, I believe. Yeah. Seneca yeah. King Campus. Yeah, King. So it's the environmental program. Yes, environmental landscape. Oh, yeah, okay. That's it's cool. It's similar to the Hortec with a little bit more of an environmental bend to right. it. Right. Which could be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. All right. Well, we have some callers, so let's see what's going on in Stratford. Judy is calling. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. I have a... First, I want to tell you, your um, little trap with the uh, cider vinegar and the dish soap works really well for fruit flies. Thank you. Thank you. It does work. I've got another one set up on my counter as we speak. <laughs> and... Um, a couple years ago, I called you about my Rosa Sharon, and you told me to move it, and it died on us. Mm-hmm. Well, we went to dig it up in the in the summer to take it to the dump, and there were some roots. Mm-hmm. So we put it back in the ground, and now it's about two feet tall. So thank you for that. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> Good stuff. And did you ever get any response from the fellow who was asking how to get his Datura seeds? Uh, no. What I did get, a couple of people said, why not just do cuttings for Datura? Forget trying to save seeds. Why? Do you have a source? Uh, well, I have the double purple ones. I used to have oh, the white beautiful. ones, but now I just have the double purple ones. And after they flower, they'll get a round prickly ball on them. Mm-hmm. And you just leave that there. And then it's usually in the middle of August or so, mm-hmm. they'll split. So I just take them off. And I put them in a dish to dry. Mm-hmm. And then I put them, when they're dried, I put them in my freezer until the end of January. Take them out, soak them overnight, plant them in ground. And I have, like, you know, under, in the house. Mm-hmm. And I have really good luck. Wow. And so when, you, when it breaks open, that prickly little case, is there a single seed in there or a whole bunch? Single seeds. Okay. There's all kinds, of, all kinds of them, though. Neat. Oh, that's good news. You know, I'm just looking back. 
I'll find uh, during the break who it was who asked, and hopefully that person is listening. So that's yeah, it was about three weeks ago. Yeah, good information. Thanks for that. Appreciate it, Judy. Okay, but my question is. Oh yes, of course. The question. I missed it last week, and I hope you didn't talk about Armorellis. Uh, not yet. No. Nope. Okay, good because I brought mine in. Okay. And there's all roots coming out the bottom. The, our poor Armorellis. Our daughter forgot it in a bag, <laughs> and we didn't get it till very very late, and it was all white, and it just barely survived. Aww. It did flower, good. but the bulb was really really soft and small by the end. Mm-hmm. But now it's a nice big healthy bulb, mm-hmm. and the roots are actually coming out the bottom now. Do I put it in a deeper pot? What size pot do you think it's in right now? The one that it came in. So that's probably a four six yep. inch six inch plastic. Yep. And roots are coming out the bottom, and how, how close is the bulb to the inside walls of the pot? Um, probably about an inch. It's a six-inch pot, my husband said. Yeah, you know what? I'd leave it for another year. Okay. Uh, plus I, I didn't wouldn't... know if I had to put it in something deeper because of the roots. Now, I'm going to put it in the dark. What am I doing? Oh, uh, since you brought it in, you're going to stop watering it. Put it okay. in the dark. If you have a cool, dark location, that's great. So it could be the basement, could be anywhere, um, and just ignore it. Just okay. totally ignore it and check on it every every now and then. Two things, two ways you can proceed from this point. One is count down on the calendar: six, seven, eight weeks. Pull it out of the dark, get it out into the light. A flower okay. should form. But okay. what I found works even better, more guaranteed, is leave it in the dark. Eventually, a flower. Um, stalk is going to start to protrude out of that bulb sitting in the dark and then you know you definitely have a flower but you have to not like don't ignore it for weeks on end because it will shrivel up and die if you don't get it into the light and water it once that flower stalk starts to show so in eight weeks? Yeah. So I'd start in about six weeks, put it in your calendar, and start checking every couple of days, in, okay. starting in about six weeks. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for calling, Judy. That's great. Yes, amaryllis, very often asked about plant. It's a super popular house plant, and it's everybody's a horticulturalist when they have a, an amaryllis. Do, have you grown them, Suzanne? No, I have not. You know what? Do you ever give gifts, like Christmas gifts to your clients or look for sort of gifts for clients? Not a bad one, if you ever think about that. That's a good idea. Yeah, because, I mean, quality bulbs are big, fat, juicy bulbs, but still, it's only like a $5 bulb. You do have to plant them up into a pot for the client. You don't just give them the bulb. I made that mistake. (laughs) Sounds like Judy's daughter made that mistake, (laughs) forgot about it. I gave my dad a bulb one year for Christmas, thinking he would, you know, back when I was a student, he would deal with it. He stuck it in his underwear drawer and forgot about it. And I was back visiting like a month later. My mom's putting away laundry and I'm chatting with her in their bedroom and she opens the underwear drawer and here's this amaryllis. The flower stalk has extended. It's gone around in a circle and it's blooming in his underwear drawer. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing and also super embarrassing for my dad. <laughs> like, you, you didn't notice there was a red flower in your underwear drawer? Anyway, I never made that mistake again. If I give amaryllis, I give it potted. And everybody's a horticulturalist because they're a bit no-brainer, right? You can't... I'd say. They're like, really This easy. is a really good thing to do for yeah. my clients. Yeah, and it's fun because it's such a... You can't go wrong. The no. only way you can kill them is by overwatering them or completely forgetting about them and, you know, they rot in the garage or something. So listen, we do have to go to, to a Drake break soon, but let's just check in with Paul, who's calling us from Port Dover, and see what's going on. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Charlie and Suzanne. I, um, my wife and I thoroughly enjoy your show every Saturday morning at uh, nine o'clock. Thank you. And uh, we too have found your uh, your apple cider vinegar and dish soap uh, solution attracts the fruit flies and uh, traps them. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. 
My question is grubs. Mm-hmm. Back in August, when you um, informed us about uh, Grub Be Gone, mm-hmm. I put an application down, a granular uh, uh, application, and um, it didn't seem to deter the uh, raccoons or mm-hmm. skunks or whatever it is that's digging up our backyard. Mm-hmm. And then when um, nematodes were available, uh, I believe it was the 1st of September, I applied uh, an application of those Mm -hmm. in a water solution, Mm -hmm. and fortunately that evening we had a nice long super soaker rainfall to um, help soak them into the soil, Mm -hmm. and I'm still getting uh, holes in the backyard from either skunks or raccoons. Now, I called our local uh, garden center where we got the nematodes, and they said it takes time mm-hmm. for the nematodes to go down, mm-hmm. attach themselves to the grubs, and uh, lay their eggs, which eventually kills the mm-hmm. uh, the grubs. It does but take a few weeks. How long does that take, Charlie? Our, our backyard cu- is a mess. Is it? Well, it could be a couple of weeks. And what you've done is good. You've done two excellent, really the only treatments that are out there to control grubs. And, of course, grubs at this time of year are small. They've only had in the summer. So they're small. They're a little harder for the nematodes to find them. Whenever I do the nematodes, I look for the most yellow patches in my lawn and I really prioritize the liquid nematode eggs in that area to make it easier once everything you know starts happening. It's, it's a whole biological world happening underneath the soil there. I wouldn't, I mean, it's probably a bit frustrating because you are still recognizing you do have some grubs, but you know what? <clears throat> Next spring, you're going to do a whole cleanup and a replanting of your lawn. So I wouldn't panic now because <clears throat> there's absolutely, for now, the, these starlings, the raccoons are going to continue to dig until they aren't smelling or hearing grubs any longer. And that could be right to freeze up because the nematodes will go down as the, as the weather starts to drop. Okay, so uh, next spring, uh, when I top dress and overseed the lawn again, Mm -hmm. should I put the nematodes down first? No, you won't use the nematodes in the spring unless they've done something with the nematodes. So check the package, both the Grub Be Gone and the nematode packages, if you still have them, to to see if there's any instructions for a spring application. Well, the local garden center are out of the nematodes now, and they're not expecting any more shipments until next spring. Yeah. Okay. Well, at that point, when they arrive, st- read the package. Uh, Suzanne, wait, what did you... Oh, NIC, yeah. So um, your local garden center in Port Dover, uh, you can do online ordering from a company called NIC. So the initials N as in Nancy, I as in insect, C as in control, which stands for natural insect control out of St. Catharines. Worth oh. looking on their website, see what they've got available. Um, and I'll look and see if there's any... Yeah, like there's no... Ma- there's no... Still- bullet like there's no one thing that's going to overnight just kill a pest it is a process so don't don't worry you will be doing some top dressing and overseeding i'm not sure if you'll be using any insecticides at that point next spring depends what's available there's no point in wasting these things if they're not going to be of any use Absolutely. All right. Well, yeah. so leave that with me. If I if I come up with any better su- suggestions, I'll certainly uh, announce them uh, immediately as soon as I've got them. Thanks for your call, though, Paul. Appreciate it. And um, we have to take a short break to listen to what our sponsors are up to, and we'll be right back to chat with Joan, who's calling in from Hamilton. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
And here we are. Both Suzanne and I are poring over the Natural Insect Control website, which I would definitely recommend. They have been around for a long, long time, family-run business. And uh, if you click through grubs for lawns, sorry, sorry, grubs in your lawn, you'll get to the nematode page. Um, Canadian Lawn Guardian, it's called. So beneficial nematodes. And it indicates on a quick scan of the website that these can be used when grubs are present in the soil. Follow all instructions. It's got a lot to do with more. Moisture. You've got to have high level of moisture in that lawn because the nematodes travel in the soil solution, which is the water between the particles of soil. All right. We've got Joan on the line calling from Hamilton. Good morning, Joan. Good morning. This is my first time. Ooh, baby. Um, now, um, my that? problem <laughs> is an orchid. Welcome. So I got this orchid as a gift in July. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says it's been watered. You don't have to water it. Uh, just, you know, wait two weeks and, and water it again. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I, I felt it, and I thought, boy, it's really wet. Oh, yeah. But um, I thought, no, I'm not going to do anything. So I just, you know, two weeks came, and it's still still wet. Okay. So you didn't so, water it. Um, <clears throat> I finally did. um take it out and and it's got a very heavy uh plastic liner it's almost like a rubber with holes in it um so um i lost uh three leaves Mm -hmm. now the last leaf um was a couple of weeks ago um so it has no leaves now oh no it's got it's got three leaves. Oh, I see. You, wait, so you, you uh, had... The last one was uh, right at the, at the base of it was real mushy, and I thought, um. what is going on here? So I took it out, took the the uh, orchid out of the the plastic base, yep. and I'm so I took it out of the plastic, mm-hmm. and there's moss, like there's there's loads of moss all mm-hmm. around the whole thing, but mm-hmm. down the bottom, it was soaking wet. Mm-hmm. Right. And I rang that out mm-hmm. and put it back in, mm-hmm. and I um, I put it in water with a bit of um, or um, orchid food oil, uh, not soil um, food. Yep. And uh, I just left it for a half an hour, and then I uh, drained it okay. for a good hour, okay. and I put it in the plastic and I was wringing out all the moss that was around it even mm-hmm. like it, it just soaks up the water like crazy right it's a sphagnum moss it absorbs yeah, 20 so, times its um, weight in water so what's the status of it now what does the orchid look like now got no flowers okay and green leaves are still there the yeah the uh, leaves are still there and they're firm and and shiny and healthy yeah, looking yeah they look they seem to look pretty good okay and, and it, what is it on? Stamp, where do you keep this orchid? Wet like usually. Yeah. Well, where but do you? This ke- is about a week ago, I think it was. Right. So, where do you keep this orchid in your house? Is it on a window ledge or coffee table or? No, it's uh, east w- uh, window, and it's um, by the by the uh, corner of the room. Mm-hmm. That's fine. East windows are great. That's a it's a moth orchid that you have. It's the common name, or phalaenopsis mm-hmm. is the proper name. Very commonly sold everywhere these days. Um, but yeah. east is great. East or north window, so we call that a bright indirect spot. We do, yeah, these orchids indirect. Do, I don't let the sun get at it. I well, and then east. you know by ten o'clock. 
o'clock or to noon, it's nice and bright without mm. the sun. So I open up the the verticals uh, <laughs> right up, so it it's, nothing's touching it as far as sun goes. And okay. uh, it, it could get soft there. morning light, like that morning light will not burn the orchid the way a hot afternoon light would. Right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I would leave the verticals open for that brightness to come in. And, of course, as winter is coming, days are shorter, light is less intense, and these orchids do need that bright, indirect light year-round. Yeah. So consider yeah. that what you do in the summer might be slightly different in terms of your curtains than what you would do in the winter, just to right. let in a little more light. But yeah, going I, back, I do have um, a south window, too. Like no, I'm, too bright. I'm east and I'm south. Yeah. No, no, east is perfect for the orchid. But I was just okay. going to say that the water question that is, has clearly been a bit of a struggle. Yeah. The orchid sounds like it was overwatered. Somebody, yes, yes. when they gave it to you, it, they might have, the whole thing might have been just full of water and there's no way in the world the orchid was ever going to use that water so what you did is smart getting it out draining it um i don't know if i'd go quite so far as to start squeezing out all the moss i'd probably just leave that the the plastic with the holes in it in the sink for whatever a couple hours let it drain out into the kitchen sink um and at some point you're going to put it back into its beautiful little decorative outer pot back into your window but do not water it until it is a very light plant that you need that moss to dry down it, depending on the temperature in your house and the amount of light in your house, it could take weeks. It could take months. I, I don't know. It just depends on sort of what the environment is. But, you just feel it and uh, Yeah, how. and I do by weight with orchids because you can't really feel. You're feeling oh. roots. You're feeling bark like you're, or maybe a little bit of dry moss on top but lots of moist moss underneath. So don't, oh. don't just assume that the top is dry, therefore the bottom is dry. That mm. I try to pick up the whole plant and say, eh, I don't think I'm going to water it. And um, yeah. yeah, don't ever water on the calendar, right? Water when the plant needs water. And that's based on you figuring out, okay, now it's time to water. Suzanne, what about fertilizing? Like, do you do it every time you water it? No, I wouldn't. No? No, once a month, maybe. Once a month. You know what's my optimal? Uh, sorry to interrupt. I'm just going to let Suzanne to talk, and now I keep talking. A pail of of room temperature water. So I fill the pail up with water, let it sit overnight, room temperature in my house, add orchid fertilizer to the pail of water as per directions on the fertilizer package. Then it's time to really water my orchids. They're really, really dry. I take each orchid individually. I stick it in the pail. I hold it down underwater, including the leaves underwater. Air bubbles pour out of this dry pot. Flower is above the water, but leaves and all that bark and all whatever it is, whether it's moss, whatever is underwater, and I hold it until the bubbles stop coming up. Might have to hold it for a couple of minutes. Then there it is, really saturated. I take that whole mess. Now, again, that's just the, the, the pot with the drainage holes that I'm putting underwater into the sink. Let it drain for a couple hours back into its regular location. And I do that every, well, optimally, you do that every time you water. And that might be every couple of weeks. But um, I don't do it every time I water. I do it every couple of months. And it's great. Orchids love it. It's the best, best way to water if you can. That's my suggestion. Thank you, Joan. Thanks so much for your call. And um, you know what? Yeah, I'm sorry. You probably did want to say something there, Suzanne. Anything? No? I wanted to say that the weight, like having people can't tell if the plant is wet or not. Same with when you're buying plants in the nursery. It's really important. Or anywhere you're buying plants, pick them up. Mm -hmm. If they're really light, Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be the best plant to buy because they have already had some kind of water stress occurring. Particularly evergreens. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Like 
picking up the pot is so essential. And, and your house plants, too. Like, mm-hmm. you can tell if they need water that way. Well, and sometimes when it comes to the nursery, like, I've even encouraged people, you know, you, you see a little boxwood shrub or, a you know, whatever, forsythia, a lilac, something that you want to buy, or even a tree uh, in a pot. And you're thinking, I want to buy this. I really like it. There's nothing wrong with laying it down on its side, take the pot off, and look. Look and see what the root condition is. Exactly. Yeah. Make sure there are white or just off-white, ivory-colored, fresh roots in that pot. Make sure it's not pure soil, and you know, or sort of pure roots with no soil, or a lot of dead roots, like brown, crispy roots from lack or inconsistent watering. So, because you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the health of the plant comes back to the roots, right? Yeah. So, you know, examine that plant above ground, but don't be afraid to examine the above ground parts too. You're paying money for it. You, you know, buyer beware. Don't don't let anybody yell at you for taking. You know, you're going to take the pot off, look at it, put it back on. There's it's not like you're going to make a big mess or anything. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I have definitely encouraged people. Do you want to give the phone numbers just for uh, anybody? We do have Mike on the line, so we'll be right with you, Mike. But Suzanne's going to do the number announcement. Oh, my pleasure. Local is 416-360-0740. Toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Excellent. And let's see what's going on in London. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Charlie and Susan. What's going on at your place? Well, it was really good this year. I couldn't believe the flowers. and It was unbelievable. I don't actually have a problem. Um, <laughs> right. I, I'm just curious for other listeners as well. Is, is Frank doing okay? Or? Ah, good question. Frank is, uh, I, I was going to do this as a surprise, but um, I am expecting a surprise for all, everybody next Saturday, so definitely tune in next Saturday. Okay, I just wanted to let him know, or if he's listening, that we're thinking about him and miss him, and uh, yeah. hope he's doing okay. Uh, he's he's doing pretty good, so yes, indeed. We'll, Excellent. We'll Thanks. More to say on that. Anything else you want? Any other questions or tips? Yeah, yeah, I have a calla lily that really did well, mm-hmm. and it's called uh, it's a Coastal Flame, mm-hmm. and it's I left the, the flowers on, except for, like, I cut a couple off, but they have the, uh, is that bulbs that's developed mm-hmm. inside the flower? It's really heavy and falling down on the ground? Are those bulbs inside the flower? Or? A, it's a calla lily? Yeah, the, the name on this tag here says Xantadeshia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that no, right. No, but, but that's close enough. I know it is. Okay. Uh, you know what? Good question. I'm, well, you know, I'm going to do a quick search because this is... It. Many... Plants have different ways of propagating themselves. So sometimes we get what are called bulb bills. So little tiny, tiny bulbs will grow along the stem of plants. Sometimes we get seeds, and seeds can be very heavy. Um, oh, it's developed. It's huge. Like, it's really heavy. It's, it's bent right down to the ground. Now, this plant did a lot better than what it said on the tag. It said 45 to 60 centimeters. I think this thing's probably 90 centimeters tall. Don't you love that when the plant doesn't read the the catalog? <laughs> oh, the, the, well, the leaves were just huge too, almost dinner plate size. Those great big green leaves with a little bit of white in them. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was they did really good. But I'd like to have more. And I thought, well, if those flowers are full of bulbs, and I can break those all apart in yeah. the spring and stick them all in, and I'd have a lot more. I could use a lot more cut flowers for bouquets. Mm, yeah, I'm just I just brought it up on the web. Very pretty. Look at the colors on that. Oh, eh? yeah. Um, all right, so leave that with me. I'm going to have to just do a quick read as to what that likely is. But it, it will be something you can propagate with. And okay. you know, calla lilies are not frost hardy. So you no, know. I, I know. I had to pull this out last year. It was the, this oh, okay. the second year I did it, and okay. I had to put it in a box in the basement with Beautiful. leaves in it and that. Beautiful. 
Good for you. Yeah, yeah. And that's like your story is a good one because you we pay a lot for some of these callas and cannas. And, yeah, uh, yeah you know, well, like I, say, I kept the tag just dahlias. so I could remember everything because I got a really crappy memory. Yeah, and as I get you. older, it's certainly not getting any better. For but it had right on here, you know, planting, watering, mulch, and winter care. So. Oh, excellent. Well, that's great because, you know, by keeping those, it's not a true bulb. It's, I think it's actually a rhizome. But by keeping those um, tender plants, dahlias is also on the list. Over the winter, in a spot that's frost-free and and you know healthy, etc., back into the garden in the spring, they just get bigger and better, right? They, rather than going oh, out and buying new ones. Oh, it did far better this year. I did change the location, but it, it, it could use more sun where it was. But I'm mm. telling you, it couldn't have really did any better. I don't think it mm. was amazing. Well, that's a, that's a great story. I love it because I was going to say it has been a great year for so many of the heat-loving plants. Oh, we, we've had enough heat units, I think, for mm, two summers. I, just about. Yeah, no question. Tomatoes, over the top, right? Oh. Peppers, over the top. Yeah, um, everything was unbelievable. Cannabis. I hope your well recovers, by the way. you got we got a whole bunch of rain there, so. Yeah, we needed I that. I'm sad to hear that. That's a bit, a bit of a bummer, especially when you're a gardener like yourself. Well, I needed rain in my place, trust me. We were, yeah, well, we, had, we might get some more. Yes, we we are expecting some tonight, actually. Yeah. So, uh, but that's okay because we're still top dressing, overseeding. It's a really good time for that for the lawns. Yeah, and the weather's not supposed to be really great for another couple weeks yet. I know, and you know where I'm going to be either <laughs> either here or at Durham College or in my garden, one or the You're other. You're going to be busy and spoiled. <laughs> I love it. It's the best. It's the best way to be. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Mike, and tune in next week. And I will I, be. I tune in every week if I can. Thanks, excellent. Charlie. Thanks, and I'll Susan. D- double check what's going on with those uh, Cala lily coastal flame heavy flowers and anything no jump into your sorry, mind nothing's jumping in no that's okay that's okay and so just so everybody knows suzanne runs both a design and install landscape company but you also do maintenance yes so you have clients that you maintain do you do mow lawns or is it more maintaining no. just gardens no i do only lawn care when it comes to some nematode treatment, oh. maybe some fertilization, because it's in the best interest for me. Mm-hmm. If I decrease the amount of uh, weeds in the lawn, mm-hmm. they don't blow into the gardens I'm maintaining. That's right, right, right. So, and your gardens look better when the lawns look better. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's all one big scene. Yeah, lovely. So, yeah, focus mainly on the gardens. Okay. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you because you're a very poor marketer of yourself, it's Susan. I'm joking. <laughs> No, I am. I am. You're I'm laughing. laughing. <laughs> so true. So Suzanne, just like we would, you know, oh, like just Suzanne. S U Z A N N E. And then grab G R double A. B as in Bob. So grab Suzanne grab at gmail.com if they wanted to get you to come and take a look at their garden and their challenges. And, you know, you and your team can work magic potentially. For sure. Nice. All right. So uh, one more short break here and we'll be right back to listen to what's going on in Cambridge after this. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, just um, Mike called us from London asking about calla lily specifically coastal flame and what might have knocked those flowers over that was so heavy really quick scan there on the web it would appear that recommendation is um, deadhead calla lily so once the flower's done remove the flowers which perhaps mike did not do and what's happened is seeds have formed so those are because the two ways that we propagate 
callas is we split the, the, the rhizome, which is that root underground, or from seed. And traditionally, seeds, of course, would form up in the flower. That's as far as I got. Likely, there's some kind of seed pod that is part of that flower that's dropping down with the weight. Um, usually, when we grow from seed, it is slow, much slower than uh, division. So, you know, sometimes a challenge is fun. Mike might be up to, to see if he can, you know, you want mature seeds and then you want to plant them. Would they always come true, though? With <laughs> the seeds? Yeah. See, sometimes the seeds yeah. don't give you the same looking flower. Particularly when it's a cultivar. This is a very cultivated plant, coastal flame. So will coastal flame grow again? Unlikely. 25% chance, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. We, uh, I was wrong when I said uh, Susan in Cambridge instead. Let's go to Murag. I'm not sure where she's calling from. Good morning. Oh. Calling from Etobicoke? <coughs> Sorry, I'm coughing. Uh, yes, go ahead. Nice to hear from you. Um, thank you. Um, we have about a dozen um, plants, Shasta Daisy and uh, Toto Rustic Daisy. They've grown from last year's seeds. Um, the original plants didn't last, but the seeds are growing, but they were very late to grow, so they're still growing under our lights downstairs. Oh. The toto is, is blooming. Um, <laughs> what could or should we do with them now? Hmm. Please. Okay, so did you start those seeds indoors or yes. as opposed, and these were ones you bought in packages or you collected them from? No, they, I collected them from our own plants last year. Okay, and so when did you plant the seeds? They're indoors. Mm. Um, I think in the spring, but they didn't germinate for for quite a while, so they're they're still there under the lights, blooming. And well, the the shastas haven't bloomed, but the toto have bloomed. It, it might be that sorry to interrupt, but it might be that the reason they were so slow to grow is because you have probably had the seeds in your house all winter, did you not? Yes. And were they in the refrigerator or freezer by any chance? No. See, no. that would have sped up germination. Naturally, always whenever you're collecting seeds. That's when you have to say, okay, what would Mother Nature do right now? So Mother Nature would have dropped those seeds or expelled those seeds last fall from the plants in your garden. Seeds would have sat on the surface of the soil all winter and grown in your garden in the spring. Right. And you might have been worried and said, well, but I want to keep the seeds. I don't want to run the chance that I step on them in the spring or whatever. So fine, you know, definitely collect them. But now you've got to mimic winter. So refrigerators and freezers can work really well, and then that would have sped up germination. So, But to answer your actual question there, what will you do now? You need to harden those plants off and get them outside before winter. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't keep them in. You, they won't do well in your house. It, it, you know, They're already a little behind because they were slow to germinate. They are outdoor plants. They are hardy plants. And if you try and keep them inside as, as a little house plant, I think you're going to find you have all kinds of flopping and dropping and, you know, who knows, mm-hmm. fungus gnats, all kinds of things are going to take advantage of those okay. little those little seedlings. So you know how to harden off, how to introduce those plants to the real world? Um, yes, but should I plant them in, in, in the garden? You don't have to. You can leave them in whatever pots they're in now and put them in the garden temporarily for the winter. Yes. Dig them up next spring and then put them where you really want them. But the hardening off process is one where you're going to take them out in a sheltered location somewhere around your house, shun the wind, sheltered from the sun, 
couple of days there, slowly but surely, we've got some balmy weather coming. You're going to take advantage of that warm weather and get this plant used to being outside. A little bit, little bit of wind, you know, two hours in the sun, back into the shade. Next day, three hours, you know, out into the real world, back into the protection. Because um, if you just go straight out into the real world, the poor little plants will just shrivel up and die. Um, right. So should I put them in? Uh, now we've got space now with beans and stuff yeah. being up. So plant them in that dirt in the pot. Before winter. Before winter, But yes. don't go directly out there right now because no. that'll be too exposed and too sunny. Too but yeah, exposed. for sure. And then, you, you know, put some little stakes in the ground so you know exactly where they are. Right. And the pots are buried. The right. little plants are going to go dormant, just like they would if, as if they were in the garden. And then come spring, they'll start to grow, uh, but you'll know exactly where they are to watch for them. And then you'll start working out your permanent location. Right. Oh, super. That's great. They're, the little uh, toto is flowering in a few right now, and it's mm. been about three or four weeks. They yeah, are beautiful, they so are. I'll do exactly what you said yeah. for next year. Yeah, no, they are. And Suzanne has something to add? Well, I have a question, actually, mm. for you, Charlie. Um, would it be best to cut off some of those blooms so that the plant isn't getting stressed with the extra yeah. nutrients it needs yeah. to push out for mm. the blooms? Well, keep in mind that we're not trying to root... Like You're right. right. There is a rule that says that when we transplant into the garden or anything, we've cut all the flowers off so that the plant will put its energy into root growth. But but if um, Marag's choice is to leave them in the pots, I would just enjoy the blooms. Oh, okay. Um, you're right. It, it, it's not the, once the flowers are there, the flowers are good. But the plant will tend to want to produce seeds, and that's where the energy goes is into seed. So do deadhead. Once those flowers are done, don't leave those flowers on the plants. Right. Okay. Just to, don't. You don't need seeds. You don't need. You you got your seeds last year. You don't need any this year. <laughs> Okay. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the, the original plants didn't last, didn't grow this season. Yeah, I would have thought they would have survived. Last year. So I'll try that, and I appreciate your help. Thank ah, you very, very report much. Report back. I want to hear what's going on next spring. Thank you for that. All right, we um, are just going to listen to important uh, words from our sponsors and be right back after this. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Charlie Dobbin and her special guest, Suzanne Grab. Thanks for being here, Suzanne. Thank you, Charlie. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. First time you've ever done this, I think, right? Absolutely. And did you sleep last night? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Oh, we'll have to do this again. You get It's so much easier the more you do it, trust me. Uh, listen, we the callers are keen to talk, so let's see what's going on in Cambridge. We have Kathy on the line. Good morning. Kathy, are you there? It's Niagara Falls. Oh, Niagara Falls. There you go. <laughs> Welcome to Niagara Falls. What's going on? Good morning. i just calling because the last time I cut my grass, not that I have a wonderful lawn or anything, but it's full of toadstools and they're coming up like crazy. I don't know what's wrong with my grass. Nothing's wrong with your grass. Um, it's the rain. It's what, Suzanne's nodding. So what's, why she got toadstools in her lawn, do you think? So much rain we've had lately. And toadstools grow on organic matter. So under your lawn, you've either been doing a really good job supplementing your soil with organic material like composted manure, or there's some roots rotting from a tree that was removed, gosh, 10, 20 years ago. Oh, it's probably the, the tree then because I had a great big tree taken down, but, but I left of the, course, uh, the stump, yeah. stump because yep. I put a plant on it. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. So those roots are in the process of decomposing. 
there are fungal, uh, fungus and bacteria, all kinds of little microorganisms are breaking down those roots for you and for themselves. And in the process, those little toadstools come up. So don't be frustrated. They're, until those roots disappear, toadstools will appear, depending on moisture levels in the soil. Okay. Um, if they're bothering you, just kick them, go out early in the morning. I used to get my son, when he was young, take a golf club, go out there and <laughs> look at... A golf club would work great. It works great. Just knock the tops off the toadstools, because, you know, you don't like the looks of them. Then yeah. they kind of just turn into mush as the day, the day continues. So early in the morning, before they open, you will minimize the spore dispersal. All right? Okay. There you go. Nothing oh, to worry you. about. It's all, it's all healthy. <laughs> Okay, thank you. You're welcome. And uh, let's see. Oh, we have time for sure. Let's see. Our next caller would be Aldina calling, I believe, from Cambridge. Aldina, good morning. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? Excellent. What's going on at your place? Uh, Charlie, I had a beautiful flowers this year. Zinnias were just beautiful Mm. and cosmos. But what I didn't have a lot of success with with was my... um, Calla lilies. I know somebody else called about them, yeah. but with a different um, problem. Um, mine was, uh, I didn't have enough blooms. We only had like out of probably eight or nine of them. We only had like two or three blooms. Oh. And uh, I've had success with storing the two, you know, the, the little bulbs and yeah. so forth. And as a matter of fact, I put some in a nice, nice soil, you know. How much? I think I did all the right things. Uh-huh. And the foliage came up really nice and healthy. But I was disappointed as far as the flowering. So what kind of sun have you got them in? Uh, well, there were, I, I had them in two different locations. I actually tried some in the soil in where we'd get, like, some morning sun, mm-hmm. morning, you know, mid-after, yeah, some morning and maybe early afternoon sun. Mm-hmm. And then I had some in the west, you know, where we got afternoon sun. So east or west, so morning or afternoon, but are they receiving four, five, six hours of direct sunlight? Oh, they would have, the ones in the West. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And did they flower yeah. more or less? Uh, no. As a matter of fact, they, well, I had two flowers on where the West, where they got the West sun, mm-hmm. and where they were getting the morning and the afternoon, mm-hmm. none. None oh. bloomed. Oh, okay. So uh, Suzanne's so, got a thought here. What What do you think? I'm, I just wanted to ask a question. Did mm-hmm. you fertilize these at all? Because sometimes giving a lot of nitrogen fertilizer on any plants will cause a lot of vegetative growth, green which leaves, is the green yeah, leaves yeah. and not the flowers. So I'm just kind of curious, did you fertilize and if you did with what? I didn't fertilize, but it, the soil was new on the, the ones that I had in the pot. It was new soil. Like triple mix kind of new? Uh, no, it was potting soil, like uh, the miracle Grow potting soil. Okay. Are they in pots or in the, in the garden? Uh, this was in the pot. They had the, the, the new soil in the pot. Oh, okay. so the other ones in the ground, the soil was not, it was not really rich soil. And did you fertilize at all? Uh, no, I didn't. I don't think I fertilized, no. Hmm. So rule so of they, thumb... Do they with, need a lot of fertilizer? Well, potting soils, by virtue of being soilless mixes, have are what we call inert. They have no natural fertilizer. They are not nutritionally rich. They are wonderful for growing plants, but you do need to supplement with fertilizer, regardless of what you've planted into the pots. So keep that in mind. And that those instructions will be right on the package of any soilless yeah, I thought, mix. I thought because it was new soil that it would have enough 
It uh, has what they call a nutrient charge. So again, it yeah. does tell you on the fertilizer, or sorry, on the soil, the soilless mix package. You know, it's coming with a little bit of nutrient. You're good for like two weeks after that. Start a regular fertilizing program. In the ground, you should have a lot more access to nutrient. So, uh, and this particular, depending, I guess, on some callas do better in partial sun. It's a calla. The calla is white and it turns pink after it gets old, and there's no spots on the leaf. Kind of a longer green, just green leaf. Yeah. So That's I'm not a calla expert, but I can tell you that generally some callas need pure, hot, hot, bright sun all day. Some really need that in um, bright uh, half-day sun, half-day shade. So what I would yeah. do is, you know, keep going. It sounds like you're good at the overwintering. Um, put them away before, like, I usually let fr- a light frost hit these plants, dig them up once they've had a light frost, clean them up into the house for the winter. Next spring, consider... Um, supplementing the soil consider organic matter for the garden soil consider whether it be a synthetic fertilizer miracle grow whatever in the pots i think you'll find with some balanced nutrients you will have fewer leaves and a little more flowering going on and make sure you've got that that light happening in a big way four to six hours minimum direct light on these uh, callas whether they're in the pots or in the ground Right. And Suzanne? I was just, um, sunlight's really tricky. Mm -hmm. I find that um, when I'm teaching at Seneca and my clients, they say, well, this bed gets full sun. And then I ask them to take pictures um, because pictures will tell you everything, whether whether that tree on the boulevard actually shades that garden. Mm-hmm. And um, in the past, clients have told me that it's full sun. I go and I bring the full sun plants and it's full shade or vice versa. Yeah, yeah. So, so you can take pictures, pictures throughout the day. Yeah. yeah. It's, and, and it would be good practice for any home mm-hmm. gardener to mm-hmm. do before they're planting. If, you know, our cell phones are so easy, yeah. just take a picture in At the 9 morning. a.m., noon, yeah, noon two, and then three, I say four. Af- yeah, I say after four-ish mm-hmm. kind of thing. And of course, some pe- some clients send me way more than that. Yeah. I said more is better. Yeah. Then I can judge the mm-hmm. actual sunlight. That And also, a particular area in a garden will get more sun. Yeah, yeah. So, And you're right. We, we think we know what's going on, but sometimes we're not paying as much attention as we think we are. That's a very good tip. Thank you, Suzanne. Uh, we're at the end of our racetrack here. I know. Where did goodness, that it went so fast. hour go? <laughs> so you want to talk to Suzanne. She's very smart. Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E. E grab G R A A B one word at gmail.com. Thanks so much for coming in. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks, guys, for calling in. Yeah, thanks to the great callers. Thanks to Carlos. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.